Welcome back everyone to R2Cast number 159. Just quickly before we start this next episode of the R2Cast All-In series, I want to give you a little heads up that on this series you might be seeing a new sponsor around soon and all I'm going to mention is they've been mentioned in Forbes. Enjoy the episode. Our last episode 158 was with Annie Williams and Annie is one of um, the Nuffield cohort that I'm in. Uh, so for those of you that watch the Food and Farming side as well as the All-In series, uh, I'm introduced. I'm well interviewing every single one of them, so it's quite an interesting one. If you're interested in minerals and ruminant livestock in particular, that's really going to be up your street. So Ed might be one for you. Um, it hasn't been released at the time of, of recording this episode today. The next one after today is with another one of that cohort, Liz Haynes. Liz got quite a really cool story actually. Liz sort of found her way into farming, um, but later in life, but she uh, had she she didn't know that she had ADHD until about maybe the last year, I think it was. And uh, being diagnosed with ADHD made a lot of sense for a lot of things. And then she's looking at her Nuffield scholarship, looking into um, neurodiversity in farming. So that's going to be really cool because I think neurodiversity, I think, is the best word to happen to anything in so long. Because the fact that we were looking at someone with autism or ADHD, whatever, you know, insert name, you name it, being called as a disability, I think, caused so many problems with people with these neurodiversities. Now that we've got this word of neurodiversity and realised that there's actually skills that a lot of these people have that we don't, um, is one of the best things that's happened. So really cool to see what Liz's plans are for for our Nuffield. Um, it's really cool, actually. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking to her. That's class to be fair. Yeah. Because yeah. you get so many people that, like, I say, oh, I've got autism, you immediately think, oh, they're like disadvantaged in yeah. some way and they're actually smarter than everybody else. Absolutely. Like, yeah, the ability to channel and some things <clears> yeah. that is amazing. So uh, I had a short chat while I was down in Exeter <clears throat> last week at the conference, but um, actually to get sit down for an hour will be really good. Um, but today's episode is another episode of the All In series. The last one we had was the big 150. Um, where Ed's friend Rose came on to speak about her time as an Olympian. And what I really enjoyed about Rose was bring a lot of people onto these podcasts and they've got this going on, this going on, this going on, which is really interesting. Rose didn't care about anything no. apart from running. She was a runner. <laughs> That's all she did was yeah. run, run. And you're like, what's your plan for when you when you get out of running? She's like, nah. there's not a plan. Nah. <laughs> I loved it. She yeah. was so driven, so focused on that thing. And to see sort of Rose's pursuit towards the Olympics, what will be, yeah, next year. Next yeah. year, yeah. I'm it's awesome be- because that, that's maybe how focused and like single-minded you need to be to get to that kind of top yeah. level. Like just, just not thinking about anything else but running. And her 5K so, numbers were ridiculously scary, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, what was it? Was it? I don't want to say it because it was wrong. 15s? We're in the 15s. Oh, that's so fast. Was it not 15 0 something? Yeah. 15 4 or something? I could probably get on Strava, actually. I've got on Strava. It was mad. Like we were saying it. And I'm like, yeah, I can do a 5K in an hour. Um, so yeah, pretty impressive. But you have you have now heard the voice of someone asking the 5K, who I'm going to guess has got quite a good 5K himself. And we'll maybe actually ask him that in a minute. But our guest today in the All In series is, oh, actually, just before I say that, we had Rose, the 150, <clears throat> recently. The ones coming up we're getting. So any football fans, um, we've got someone who's won a Champions League or it was a European Cup back in the day. So absolute elite footballer. 15-16. 15-16, that's nuts, 15-16 yeah. for a 5k. 32 um, 11 for a 10k. 32 that's insane. 32 11 for 10k. 10, 10k's are like Olympic distance. That's our best one. 
mad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want to go listen to that, that's number one fifty with Rose Davis. Uh, yeah, what's saying? Steve Nicol, Champions League winner with that Liverpool team in the eighties. We've got this lady who we're both looking forward to. We, we don't actually know her at all. I've only texted her. Uh, I drove to Ukraine with her brother, um, Kate Rawls, who basically uh, has cycled the whole height, I guess you would say, of um, South America, stopping off in different communities and trying to just get involved in communities as she goes. But what was even more interesting about it is the fact that the way she got that distance was cycling on a bike she made from bamboo. So that's quite cool as well. And then, what's the other really cool one? Yeah, we've just got, I'm so excited about this one as well, Gunnar Garforce, who is a guy that has been to every country twice. So that's going to be quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. The first that's time a lot of time. That's <laughs> a lot of travelling. <laughs> that's 392 countries, is what that is. Twice? Yeah. No, 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 196 twice. Yeah. Three, All right. Yeah, okay, cool. nuts. Absolutely nuts. But today is cool for two reasons. First off, we have a professional actor. And second off, we have someone who's a friend of mine at school, so that means he can't say no if I ask for an autograph. That is Mr. Chris Jenks. Chris, would you like to say hello? Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Not at all. Very much looking forward to this. Are you looking forward to it? That is the question. I am looking forward to it. Yeah, we were kind of talking before off camera or off record that I haven't uh, ever done a podcast before, so this is my podcast virginity, I suppose you'd say. Um yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And like, we, we actually haven't chatted in a wee while, so it'd be good to catch up and hear what's going on in your life and and in my life as well, I suppose. Yeah. It will be, and it's another pleasure to take your flower. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Is that, the, is that the title of the podcast? <laughs> Taking an actor's flower. Um, for those of you listening, you can probably hear Ed saying stop and being a lot of pain. Normally... I would quite enjoy that, but in fairness, at this point, I do feel quite bad. I'm going to almost feel bad for us being funny today because, well, Ed, you tell us what's happened in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so basically, um, two weeks ago, I was playing rugby and I uh, went to tackle a guy and came out. Well, actually, I didn't come out second best. He knocked the ball on, actually, to be fair. So it was a successful tackle. You came out um, second best, Ed. I, and um, <laughs> so his knee, knee hit my temple. Um, I just thought I had a black eye and a concussion. Um, when in the hospital and they're like Naira right and then about two weeks later I just I could feel it I could, like I was literally I was standing next to Wallace like last Sunday and I was like mate feel this it just doesn't feel right and, like run run a finger along my temple and it just sent shivers down our spine so I was like oh no it's not right going on Monday and they're like yeah so um, so you've broke your cheekbone uh, I was like ah uh, badly and like well you're going up to Glasgow on Thursday for surgery <laughs> I was like ah um, handy so I needed to go up to Glasgow on Thursday got a few got to put back into place properly um, a few plates put in there um, so yeah it's two days post-surgery so it's still a bit swollen in that so whenever I laugh it's pretty sore But and if you were offered to play rugby today what would the answer be? No comment. <laughs> um, nah, not, not yet. Nah, next week. <laughs> no, not next week. Six days time I would play, but I'm not allowed to. Where did they go in for the surgery? Did they? Because you can't really see anything there. So you oh, see, I've got the scar there, just above the ear, really, on the temple. Um, on the eyelid, there's a wee, the tiny, oh, yeah. tiny wee. Yeah. I can't see anything on the video, but I'll take your word. Yeah, it's, 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 quite, it's quite hidden. Uh, that, just a wee purple bit. See when you think about that, yeah. 
and then there's another couple in my in my cheek around about here on the inside of my gum. I can like feel the stitches on my tongue there. So it's genius how I've not had that sort of surgery, but I've had four keyhole surgeries, and like. I'm a relatively hairy guy, but like you can't see any of them on my knee no. now. You just can't. Yeah. Like, it's just amazing what they can well, do. I couldn't believe that they didn't need to shave any of my hair off. Yeah, that's like, kind of mad. Like I, I wouldn't have thought anything about them shaving that off. Like I get a fade every few weeks anyway. Like I don't know why they didn't just if it, but they didn't even need to. I thought it was mental. Yeah. Um, I was only out for an hour and a half. I went under about twelve really? o'clock. Yeah, that's really and it was quick. Like, it was like quarter to two when I woke up. I was amazed because I was like, I went uh, into the room about quarter to 12 and then do the anesthetics. Obviously, the general just kind of goes into your um, arm and that. And uh, I woke up and I thought it was going to be like five o'clock at night. And uh, I was like, yeah, it's just not even two o'clock yet. I was like, what? It's crazy. I saw a video recently of a guy that was given, I think this was on Instagram, a guy that was given ketamine to have surgery so you don't go out but you're kind of like just you're so dissociated that tranquilizer more than anything yeah yeah you're kind of just off with the fairies kind of thing um and he was quite he was quite like a serious guy he was like okay he was in his 50s i was like all right yeah yeah doctor was explaining to him and as soon as the injection went in he was like Woo! (laughs) (laughs) here we go the doctor was like all right all right easy does it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you lost it. it was so good they were uh yeah it was quite it was quite funny like they um they would say don't know if you ever had general like you just get the gas and air and then uh you've got the drip in the top of your hand and they're just like yeah so you're just gonna feel a wee cold sensation run up your arm and you'll wake up and it'll all be over it's like sweet so it goes in and uh, when they're waking me up i think it must have took them quite quite a lot of waking me up because uh, I just heard the voices of Edward, Edward. And then before I know it, there's four of them around me. Edward! He's <laughs> <laughs> not coming back. He's not coming back. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then they kept asking me questions, and I was just like, I'm nom, nom, nom. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't make any is it just sense proper it. numb for like a few hours? Yeah. It just, I couldn't feel anything for a few hours. And then it started to wear off like the heavy painkillers. And I'm like, oh, yes, they've done, they've done something there. Yeah. Have you had general, Chris? No, I, I was gonna say I like I don't I've never really had a proper injury that I've needed anything like that for. I my the most serious injury I've had, and even this is kind of laughable really, but I was playing football at the weekend and I was playing in goals because my eleven aside team didn't have a goalkeeper, so I went in goals. Um and the striker like lunged in to ta- to get the ball and I kicked the ball away, but like kicked the bottom of his foot. And I could immediately feel like my foot just like get hot and tingly and I couldn't stand on it. So I was like, oh God, but we didn't have any subs and this was in the, like the fifth minute. So I was like, right, I guess I'm going to like hobble around for the rest of the 90 minutes. Um, and then went to A&E and I, by that point, I sort of hoped that I'd done something like bad enough that i could have like a story about it because i was like well i can't walk in it and it hurts so i hope at least i get a good injury out of it um and the nurse literally grabbed it pressed it in a couple of places and was like it's not broken it's just like soft tissue (laughs) (laughs) i've got people that need my help (laughs) so yeah but i've been hobbling around the house for the last couple days 
I can just see um, what Netflix would think if you couldn't do a show because you're too busy with your Sunday league football. Like. <laughs> <laughs> chasing the dreams, you know, chasing the dreams. <laughs> you, have to, you have to do like a doctor's, um, like they give you an MOT basically before you sign on to do any show. Right. That's basically like, you're not going to, you don't plan, you're not planning on going skiing at any point in the next few days. You're not going to go skydiving. You're not going to, uh, you don't have any injuries. Um, and it's basically to cover exactly that, just so that you're fit and yeah, yeah. to do the show. Well, we should probably, we've mentioned Netflix there, Chris, but I mean, some people that might know you as Steve DC Murray, um, is it Archibald, <laughs> I think it's another name you've played. Uh, but like, before we get into that, let's hear about Chris Jenks. Tell us a bit about Chris. Even go back to like the days where, where I would have known you at the time. Yeah. So grew up on the Isle of Arran. Um, I think, well, I was in the year above you in school. Um, yeah, that's right. And I knew I, one of my best friends growing up was Kirsty McAllister. She lived just down the road. And I think she, she's your cousin, isn't she? She's not my cousin, but she might as well be. She's like, so oh, my, right. my parents, okay. parents and parents are best friends. Yeah, right. no relation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, actually, and... ask her your number to get in touch with you for this. But yeah, she's not a cousin. All right. <laughs> um. So yeah, kind of just like grew up island life. Um, was very kind of like sporty, I guess you'd say. Did a lot of cross country running, liked football. Um, wasn't a lot of football on the island, but like those that random like s2 games that our chemistry teacher would organize <laughs> would do them um and kind of got into acting and drama and stuff like that really through like youth theater courses on the mainland so i'd go away to glasgow and do scottish youth theater and i'd go and do national youth theater I was down in london and little bits like that really um so i guess by the end of school kind of like sixth year my dad sort of wanted me to go and study English um, at university and I wanted to go to drama school and that was a bit of a like oh what's gonna what, what are you gonna do what's gonna happen and then eventually I was like oh I think I really want to go to drama school so started applying for drama schools and there's there's lots around the country there's you could apply for many 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 but they all have quite extensive like audition processes so I sort of picked six that I thought I'd quite like and spent a while going around the country um auditioning for them and then got into uh Bristol Old Vic and went there for three years from 2014 to 2017 um and then moved to London and got an agent and started auditioning for shows and kind of that's really led to just you know me being an actor now really it's, um, there's probably quite a lot to break up there but just one thing I want to say to both you Ed and the listeners he wasn't just a random chemistry teacher he had actually played in the Scottish Cup All right. he did actually play, I don't know if you knew that Chris but he played in the oh, Scottish I never Cup knew that. Yeah. Yeah. he played for Glasgow Uni in the Scottish Cup qualifying round <laughs> um, I remember my my older brother uh, Michael played in those games quite a lot as well and he um I remember he did step overs, but it was like right by our penalty area, like by the corner flag. He was like doing step overs. And I remember Mr. McCartney being like, 
we're not in the Premier League. What are you doing? <laughs> I heard him say that term quite a few times, actually, in his day. Who do you think you are, son? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. go to shout from the touchline. <laughs> Mr. McCartney, if you're listening, there were good times. We were scared of you, but there were good times. <laughs> yeah. um, did, did you go... Do I have a vague recollection of you doing something at Lambda, or is that complete nonsense? So Lambda, Lambda was one of the uh, drama schools that I auditioned for. Okay. So I, I actually got into Lambda and Bristol, and then ended up going to Bristol. Um, but yeah, that was the one, that was one of the ones I auditioned for. And uh, Paul Tinto, who kind of started the trend of actors going to or people from Aaron going to drama school. He's a few years above. He went to Lambda as well. So it's kind of how it was on the radar. It, like I know, I always remember like I got involved not in the drama school side, that not like the drama association side, but did like the school concerts at the end of the year for literally my last year. And I loved it. But you were always around that scene. Was was like as a kid, and I think we'd mentioned, I might have said it dead off camera, I can't remember if I said it on or off, that like you like go and study English or go and study anything was probably an option for you because you were good at school as well. But was there a time in school where you were like, I like being on stage, but I actually want to go further. I want to take this somewhere different. Or did that come when you started to leave school? I don't know. I think, I think I've always been like very ambitious and I think I've always been very, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you'd call this just like, entitled maybe or like self-important but there was kind of a, a point like I didn't it didn't occur to me that I was just doing like school plays on the Isle of Arran like I thought it was like really important and I wanted to do as good a job as I could and I kind of always thought I was like oh, I want to I want to whatever I do I want to do it to like a really high standard and I want to you know Part of that was going over to these like drama courses on the mainland. Um, but I think that, yeah, I mean, there was a point right at the beginning, I just enjoyed being involved and enjoyed kind of being, because the first one I did was Oliver in like S1. Oh, wow. And, that was a while ago. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> I was playing Oliver and then there was all these like sixth year kids that were in it as well. So I felt like, I'd been I was in this gang that like all the six-year kids were like hanging out with me and all this kind of stuff so I just like being involved basically at that point and then as it continued through school I started thinking oh I could do this as a career or that kind of thing nice the the thing that jumped out to me like you kind of I feel it was quite a big big jump you were just um, you said yeah so I went to uni um to do drama and then I got an agent and I moved to London and got an agent. Um, what? How? How was that transition? How did that kind of work? Because that's a massive jump moving to London. Yeah, it is a big. It is a big jump. Um, so actually, you get uh, at the end of drama school, you get a showcase, which everyone in your year, you, they hire a theatre in London, and. You, you perform a monologue and a duologue and a song and stuff like that. And all the agents and cast and directors come to that to pick off, to pick out who they like, basically. Um, so I got an agent from, from that. People, a couple of people that emailed me after that. But as an experience, it can be quite odd because 
there's people that fly off the shelves. Like they've been speaking with agents for a really long time. I remember we went to um, like a Weatherspoons after our showcase and all kind of sat there like just the, the adrenaline had crashed and we we're all just sat there like, oh my God, like I hope someone emails me kind of thing. Yeah. Freshen your phone. And people were going off to like sign with agents there and then that, and they had like five that wanted to get in contact with them. But for a lot of people, kind of including myself, you didn't hear anything for about two weeks. So that was a bit of a nerve wracking process. Um, but, you know, really thankfully someone did email me and, and then it went from there, basically. Was, I, I always feel like, and I'm probably basing this on the Big Bang Theory from Penny's attempts to become an actress, but is it not <laughs> quite a demoralizing process? Because I feel like you're you're like chasing maybe maybe this is not and I maybe have based this off a of TV. Is it like you're chasing parts and getting knocked back, or is that not how it works? Is it more your agent sorts you one and you go to it? How does that come about? I guess. Yeah. So they the way it works is they would uh, email you with an audition to do, and put yeah they put you up for part, and then you either do a self tape, which is like you just film it in your house, which. You'd, you like I've got a ring light here and you'd use a ring light and your phone and you just phone it, uh, you'd record it um, and then send it off and then you might not hear anything or you might hear back and get a recall and all that kind of stuff. But it is, it can be demoralizing. Um, there's definitely an element to it of when you go in and meet people, you obviously want to represent yourself in the best way and you get dressed up, you kind of, put on moisturizer, you, you do your hair, get might get a nice haircut or whatever. And you go in and really try and sell yourself and then leaving that and coming away from it. And the reality of like, well, I guess I'll go back home now. You go to bed, <laughs> yeah. go back home. That kind of oscillating nature of, it's one of the exciting things about it. Don't get me wrong, but like the adrenaline peaks and then the, the crashes of just, yeah that can be a bit draining sometimes. Yeah. Could you could you tell us about your time? I always like to hear this in different courses and whatnot. Your time at uni, like what is what is drama school like? How does that, I assume it's not like, I don't want to say normal university because that's not fair, but I assume it's not like a lot of the normal courses. I assume it operates differently. I can't imagine a dissertation. I would assume more of a project or a play is created or something like that. How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So, um. So you kind of, it's five days a week. You'd go in from, I think it was 8.15 to 6 p.m. Wow. Yeah. Days, in fairness, yeah. Long, long days, yeah. Um, A lot of dance workshops. So you do like tango, salsa, waltzes, like all this kind of stuff. You do singing lessons. Um, and then apart from that, you'd have a lot more acting centered uh, classes, obviously. But I mean, I think I went when I was 18 and it can be very, it can be a very competitive atmosphere and it can. Uh, you, but I think with creativity, you need to recharge sometimes. You need to go away and feel ownership of it as well. And I think one of the hard things about drama school is that you're constantly being asked to be creative and you're exhausted. So 
you might have a I remember doing a monologue for like a class on a Friday and I literally it was a Shakespeare monologue and I learned it maybe the night before like as I was going into this I didn't know what I was saying I did it and the guy the acting tutor gave me loads of feedback and I was like yeah yeah you're probably right <laughs> I just went back home and I was like I just don't have any more energy to give to this yeah. um on the other side of it it's like you know you're you're doing it for three years non-stop so it would be amazing if you didn't learn anything like you come out of it having a lot of knowledge and a lot of um just sort of like know how about different how different stuff works that sounds yeah. intense that sounds yeah. intense yeah. yeah does it does it have quite a it almost sounds like that do you know what this is reminding me of it's reminding when we spoke to um a uh, duncan you know of the army sort of you start and then there's massive amounts of dropouts because yeah, yeah, yeah. is it like that or does everyone that goes go through it? Yeah, I I'd feel I feel bad comparing it to an army. Sure, <laughs> I don't know. Right? Yeah. But there, there's that we didn't have any dropouts. I think the year above us had a couple, maybe. Um yeah, we you know we didn't have any dropouts. I think I think it's as well there was a so there was an MA course that joined up with our BA course yeah. and they all been to uni before and were like 25 and we were all 21 and them coming in was like so refreshing mm. it was like oh my god they know what they're like and they know what life's like and they know they're not really uh just hyperactive insecure 21 year olds <laughs> and that was just so refreshing yeah what age are you at? Uh, 22. <laughs> oh, you've got a year on us. It was, it was... Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. He's an adult now. 100%. It's, um, so yeah, like Ed said, that was, I was the exact same. You've, you've got that agent um, and, and you're, and do you, is it, is it sort of like, it sounds like a really stupid question because it's almost definitely a yes, but are you, is it your job to make sure you've got a good relationship with that agent? And it's like that an agent that you got, what well, that must have been 21, 22. Have you had them ever since or do you bounce about agents? So uh, the original agent that I had was a, gay, uh, a guy called James Davies. And he was like, he was really cool because he was about 30 when he signed me. And so that was quite nice because it felt like we were, he was at the beginning of his career as an agent and I was at the beginning of my career so we could kind of go up together and you know relate to each other really well um he very selfishly left to go and work for a charity um so I then was like oh need need to find a new agent um but the agent I have now is she's amazing she's a really high caliber of agent which is great for me from a professional point of view um, and I got that through sex education because the casting director of sex education gave me her name and was like, she'd be good to contact. So, so that's how that came about. Was sex education your first break or was there something before that? It was definitely my first big thing. I, before that, I actually did a, a drama set in a fashion, a, well, like a, teen drama set in a fashion school yeah. which in some ways there's like definitely parallels between the two shows but I'd been filming that for six months 
and there was like 20 something episodes of that so it was like a lot of content um and because i was only in the first the last couple of episodes of season one of sex education i'd only been i only filmed that for like four days so in my head i was like well this fashion thing yeah is is the big one yeah yeah and then it was only once it came out that suddenly it became this big phenomenon and you know everyone was talking about it and that was incredible but i'd only done four days on it so a bit like i wasn't really part of it i was like oh yeah no me, me too yeah I'm, I'm part of that thing and then as the years went on i became much more involved and felt like i was like oh yeah okay this is what i'm doing i can see why because i mean and this isn't me in any way comparing us chris but it's the truth i've done a four-day shoot before like yeah. genuinely that's insane that that's that's comparable to half a year like that's mental isn't it yeah. and just i've actually got quite a few questions and i'm sure ed does as well um about the sort of sex ed and then not about sex education you don't need to go there he, he probably show. does need it to be yeah, fair I don't, I, don't know how, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how it goes in oh, anyway. no uh, but we'll do that after yeah there's, there's one yeah, 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 really yeah that's it that's it <laughs> The thing I really want to ask, and this is this has always been my image of this, because I really enjoy drama, and it would be a complete lie to say I never considered trying what you've done. Um, yeah. But I think the difference was it was a consideration. It wasn't like a, you were sitting yeah. doing it. That's the yeah. difference. But but the reason I'm saying that is I thought about a lot of it, and in my head. The university, the, the drama school, whatever, is very stage-based. Mm. Whereas, you know, the careers, I'm guessing a lot of people, certainly in your case, go into is, you know, TV and film, which is a completely different thing. Yeah. So does does drama school set you up for that? Or is there still modules that are involved on sort of script-based filming that you can you can literally learn as you're going it you know as opposed to sort of the one that you have to know a full hour's worth of work for being on stage yeah i i think that i mean drama school doesn't well when i was there it didn't really set you up for screen acting there was a couple of modules where some someone would come in with a camera and they'd give you a script and you'd go away and film it and come back and talk about it but it was like a week and it's it's also quite hard to learn when you're not on a film set or like a TV set because so much of it is just about like enabling yourself to give the best performance at the right time. So just knowing that before the camera starts rolling, there's going to be someone that's like, do you want a cup of tea? Someone's going to be doing your hair. Someone's going to be like stuffing a mic up the back of your jacket someone's gonna the director might be saying something so there's like a lot of your attention's being required by a lot of people so it's about focusing that in the right way and and just keeping confident in yourself of like uh even though this all costs a lot of money i need to not i need to forget about all that and just kind of do my own thing and be really playful when the camera starts rolling and uh so it's it's a really steep learning curve. And, you know, I'm definitely still learning stuff now, of course. I know I've only been doing it, well, I don't know, seven years, but there's lots to learn, yeah. 
Yeah. And oh, sorry, Aidan, you go. I, it's so when you when you start filming sex education, obviously because it was the first series, you'd have no idea how big that was gonna be. Yeah. And like so that was a net like a Netflix original. Is that any different um to what it is when it's like not a Netflix original? Was it more serious or like was there anything different because it was a Netflix original? In general, it's all been very similar. Um, it might be kind of like a like a, a budget thing, maybe. So you'd notice that they've got a crane with a big light attached to it. And you're like, oh, that's going to cost a lot to have. Um, <laughs> not really. It's, it's very, very similar. It's very similar. It's um, funny that you always think Netflix, I think in my head, Netflix originals have been like a separate thing. But Netflix is almost like, and I might be using the wrong term here, but it's almost a studio in itself now, is it not? Like Netflix are producing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they uh, <laughs> produce a lot of stuff, but they also buy shows that have been made by other production companies and other channels and stuff. Like loads of BBC shows are on Netflix and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So did you know that there was going to be a season two before it was like released on a Netflix or was it just obviously when it kind of blew up? The- yeah, it was. So I, do you know what? I can't remember really. I think it was after it had come out, there was a big buzz about it. And then they, the kind of whisperings were like, oh yeah, I think, I think they're going to do it again. And then it officially got announced and yeah. Yeah. And did you know, like, from the start of when it got announced that you are going to do a second series, that you were going to be involved? No. <laughs> I sort of hoped I would be. And kind of, I guess, luckily for me, the character that I had all my scenes with, Amy, yeah, was a main character of the show. Yeah. So, which was lucky. It was lucky for me because I could kind of bank on the fact that she would be in it and I could yeah. kind of yeah she was definitely gonna ride on her cocktails a little bit yeah because like when Wallace like first said to me like oh I've got a uh, Chris Jenks coming on and uh I was in sex kid education but it wasn't like one of the main actors and then I looked I was like you you were in like a lot like you had quite especially at the end of that first series like you were really quite up there like obviously there was gonna Otis Maeve and Amy but like kind of just below that I would say you were pretty high up with the kind of screen time that you're on there. I guess what I meant was he's on it, but he's not Gillian Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because in my defense, I, and I'll, I'll hold my hands up, I, I watched nothing, as you know, like nothing. But I did watch <clears throat> the start of the first series of Sex Education. It was, it was near lockdown, was it not? It was during. Yeah, uh, somewhere. Um, yeah. But so I'd never, apart from when I saw on social media, like someone had posted a photo to your Facebook or whatever, like, oh, you're Chris on the telly. Yeah. That was the first time I saw it. And I went and watched that episode. And I'll be honest, that is all I've watched. So he's probably seen more of it. Well, definitely seen more of it than I have. No, I, yeah. <laughs> like, if you ask me who Steve from Sex Education was, I could describe kind yeah. of who that was, to be fair. Yeah. What would you say? Uh, quite a funny character, <laughs> to be fair. Quite, I actually really enjoyed, like, um, just how you were such a gym freak but a math freak at the same time like on the yeah. quiz team, but you're doing press-ups between 
Um, the quiz sits and that. I found it quite relatable, to be honest. Steve <laughs> is Chris. Steve is Chris. That is, yeah. that is clearly what Chris is. Steve is. Um, I think as the series went on, the uh, nerdiness got more and more and the gym yeah. stuff got less and less. Like I sort, <laughs> yeah. sort of wanted a few more like scenes where I was like, I don't know, pulling cars along or something like that. Yeah. Like just to reestablish his... <laughs> Was it was it not right right at the end of the series when you like won the quiz and you just did this massive bicep curl like this? Yeah. Do you know what? That was that was jokes the film because the director, he's like I'm just a very very, uh, like funny and cr- like playful guy on set. Uh, ben Taylor, um, was just like shouting stuff to do to celebrate. So he was like, jump up and down. Uh, roll around on the floor, give Maeve a big hug, whatever. And he was like, Chris, give us a big flash of the guns. Hanging <laughs> <laughs> like that. And it was in it. And like, it's it's turned into a gif now that like a few of my friends send to me, which is quite funny. And um, there's just yeah. a gif, like pulling down the sleeve. Class. It's quite funny that, because I, I don't know if you'll even know so that funny. I'm aware of this, Chris, but you went away from school and I remember you came back, I think it was to help with a drama play thing where you were behind the scenes. And I was like, oh, Chris is here. I'm going to go say hi. Um, yeah. But you'd went away, I think it'd be fair to say, quite a skinny guy. And he just came back jacked like six months later. Like, huge. I love that. Like, it was like that. <laughs> it literally left like, this really skinny guy that you could easily knock over playing football. Like it would get yeah. past you, but if it was you against him, you don't. And then yeah. I'm like, Oh shit, Chris is bigger than me now. <laughs> um, and do you kind of obviously? So, what kind of age would you say you got into kind of gymming and that type of? I, uh, like a bit, I'd, I'd say properly when I was eighteen. Yeah, so I went to drama school. Yeah. yeah, there was a guy in third year when I was in first year that was like a bit of a fitness freak, and he ran these like boot camp classes every day before uh before like drama school so i just like did them every day for like three months and then i remember i came back um i came back and did this like running uh i I went running basically with a running group and um i remember i was running along and there was this runner who i think she does like quite a lot of like hill running and stuff like that on iron and i was running along and i was like keeping up with her and then I like overtook her and she was like, do you, do you run a lot? Do you? And I was like, oh, like a bit, a bit. Yeah. But I've just been like dancing a lot at drama school. And I think she found that very irritating because <laughs> it's like, te- like technically wasn't, it was technically true, but I'd also been doing these like boot camps thing. But I think she was like, yeah. who's this like young <laughs> that's, so that's like, oh, I've been dancing at drama school and now I'm really fast kind of thing. <laughs> You might have started like proper working out then, but you're always fit. Like you always did. You always did yeah. really bit of football, and yeah, you always. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. yeah. I think I think it would be wrong of us to bring someone that's been on sex education on and not ask what are some of the main characters real people like. I mean, do, yeah. what's Jelly Anderson like? I've met her once. Yeah. Um, and she. So I was dancing. Me and Amy were like on set and we were kind of just like dancing like this because we were a bit bored. And Amy was looking over my shoulder and she stopped dancing and I carried on. And I turned around and Gillian Anderson was there filming us. 
first time that ever met her and she was filming and she was like carry on i was like all right oh this is (laughs) and then uh i she stopped filming and was like oh great Uh, nice to meet you whatever and then she went oh it didn't record and put the phone back up i was like go on dad (laughs) literally a dance monkey (laughs) yeah exactly dancing away and then she was like great and just left and i was like there you go. But I mean, she, she's lovely. It's just like a very odd way to meet someone. <laughs> um, so just going to track and back, just when you said about running, you asked about Rose's 5K time. We've had a wee bit of interest in that. What, yeah. What's yours? It's tw- much to my annoyance, it's 20 minutes and five seconds. Oh, that's brutal. That's horrible. It, that, that is horrific. Like the... The benchmark of having a really good 5K sub 20. Like, if you can say you've got a sub 20, are you sub that's 20? Class. No, right. No, I like, yeah. I think if I trained 5K, like I was doing long distance running two or three times a week, I could get sub 20 fairly. Right. Um, was that recent, Chris? Or was that a while ago? So, it's a while ago, right? Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> I was wondering no, I mean, mate, I, if I went. If you told me to run a 5k right now, I think I'd be buzzing with a sub 22. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think me too, realistically. Yeah. Realistically. Yeah. But like, like even getting in the 20s, that is quick. Like that's that's real good. Is and is that was that road? That was road, yeah. That was road. Yeah. Because uh like obviously if you're doing it on a track, if you did that on a track, you would get sub 20, no problem. Yeah. Because it's more springy. Yeah, and it's just well, there's like nothing, nothing changes. There's nothing to worry about. You just got track in front of you, instead of crossing a road. road, Yeah, that's the fact. That's your five seconds right there, because I know someone that did a like sixteen and a half five k, and that was on a track, but he couldn't do a sub seventeen on a road. Oh really? Yeah, big difference. Oh massive. Got that spikes and that in sweet things like that makes a huge difference. Apparently, the way to do it. Five k, five seconds is absolutely nothing. Like we're talking about, you getting a one second faster split per k. Yeah, like, that's true. nothing really, is it? That's true. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, the way to do it is like that. train long distance. <laughs> uh, yeah, train long, just long runs. Yeah. And but like, don't just do time trial like five k because that's what I did. I was just like, yeah, oh, you get so sick of it. Yeah. Sorry, what were, you, what were you saying? I, I was saying I just feel so out of these conversations. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, in fairness, I, um, since I've, I, I'm trying to think when we last met, we probably were just after school. So I haven't lost weight since then, but I've lost weight since like, I don't know, three or four years ago, about four stone down. But I used to walk like a lot and I can't say that anymore. And I've done like three 10Ks in the last maybe week and a half. And I used to do like maybe, and I'm talking walking oh, yeah. 10Ks. I would do 100K a week. For quite some time, but back on Aaron, Chris, funnily enough, I, I got hit by a car and I tore my calf. Um, and I just, I cannot get it to that stage. I'm good again. Been really? physio, minorly walking. Yeah, almost there. I think I'm almost there. Um, takes a long time. You, does it hurt when you walk or is it like... Um... I don't know if it's hurt or it doesn't do what I want. <laughs> it's like, it's not fully like just lifting my heel up correctly. Like, Did you do calf raises and that? Yeah, I've tried yeah. a lot of calf raises. Yeah. yeah. Just um, like, because it takes so long. Like, if you think you've torn your calf, 
like the strength like you you'll take all the strength away from it yeah and it'll completely deteriorate so you need to build up your strength of yeah like a whole leg we'll get there it takes, it takes we'll a lot yeah it takes a long time there's, there's a bit of a running joke with this podcast for a while because like second episode we all in with ed was was a professional footballer uh, third was a British timber sports champion fourth was someone who'd been through the army fifth was um, a volleyball player that's almost on the cusp of professional wow. and I just felt like it was like fit guy fit guy and me and that's just the same again <laughs> I, I used to do about 10 to 15 minutes to talk about fitness and while she's sitting there like I like to walk yeah. <laughs> it's all I've got it's all I have maybe that's the sub the sub genre of the podcast is like two fit guys and me kind of thing we should we really should we should we should call that we should have called this series that two fit guys and wallace Um, yeah because i mean it genuinely is becoming that i'm trying to think it like you know the tv show two and a half men i'm trying to think of a spin-off of that (laughs) so yeah there is something there there's something there yeah Um, Two six two and a double so, men. <laughs> Four men. <laughs> Just two men and one. Four men, three mics. Yeah. <laughs> two men. Yes. What was that? That's one? good. Four men, three mics. Ah, oh, that's good. Oh god. Oh, funny, funny. Uh, Chris, obviously uh, sex education is where a lot of people have seen you uh, and I was actually showing you to my partner's sister this morning she's like yes, yes, love him so um, yeah but you've been to a few other things uh, tell, tell us about them as well it's always quite interesting to hear about I mean you're probably, I'm guessing, maybe this is wrong but in my head you're known for sex education in my head personally you're known for being a prefect but um <laughs> there's other things there as well so tell me the other shows you've done yeah so I've done a couple of other shows uh, Karen Perry which was a Scottish crime uh, drama that was on I, uh, yeah it was on ITV uh, last year I think it was so we're doing a second season of that next year which is very exciting um, that was good as well because I could kind of move away from obviously I played a kid in uh I played a kid in sex education and I'd kind of play, played another at school kid and um, the Athena, which is the fashion show that I did. So it was nice to play an adult and a detective. And there's a few more serious storylines to that, uh, which was good. I did another show, which was um, Miracle Workers. And I don't know if, I don't know if many people in the UK know it because it's on US TV. But, I just noticed it was on IMDb. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that was oh, Radcliffe, though. It's not like it's... Oh, nice. But that, that's what I was going to say, because the, the, um, it was wild to film, because it filmed in Prague. And the first scene that I had to do was in a forest in, the, like, the outskirts, it, like, 6 a.m. It was really, really cold. It was, like, minus five degrees. And I had to give Daniel Radcliffe the Heimlich maneuver. Hey, okay. And he's very small. So I was like, it's an absolute pleasure to like Daniel Radcliffe's one of my kind of childhood. Like for a lot of people, Harry Potter, it's just mind blowing that I'd ever 100%. get something with him. Yeah. And um he was delightful, very, very nice. And I was I was like, it's really nice to meet you. Uh so do you mind if I like, you know, 
put my arms around you and lift you up kind of thing. Cause he's quite small and I'm quite tall. So there's a big height difference. Um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, no worries, mate. Go, <laughs> go for it. So I was like, you know, a couple of hours into meeting this guy, picking him up and like, he was flailing his arms around. It's just the most surreal thing in the world. That is quite surreal. I kind of want to watch that's that just for that scene. Like, I know. I'll try and yeah. find a clip of that scene and send it to you afterwards because it's, uh, yeah, it's it's very funny. <laughs> so what, yeah. what height is he? Like, what, 5'10 or something like that? For sure. I don't know. Uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's quite really. small. He might be 5'9". Five, five, oh, massive then, isn't he? <laughs> Ed's about 4'3". <laughs> <laughs> it's um, that, right, so tell us about that because we, <clears throat> we've had... Um, Oh, I can't remember. Jack Iredale, who was the footballer, he's actually my cousin, but he spoke about playing against someone that he... Oh, that's terrible. No, he spoke about playing in front of Harry Kuehl. So my cousin's he's born in Scotland, but he moved to Australia in like, I don't know, six months old, something like that. And uh, I don't know... I know you play football, Chris, but I don't know how much you watch football. You know Harry Kuehl used to play for Liverpool? Australian guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when Jack was playing in League Two, he was playing against, I can't remember what team Harry was managing, but playing against a team that Harry was managing. And he was like, this was so surreal. Like, this was amazing. So I assume that's somewhat similar to that. Yeah. What's it like to go from like sitting on Christmas Day or every, you know, you were one of the folk that went when they came out at midnight, weren't you? You went to Harry Potter films like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that. Yeah, yeah. I was going one to, of them too, to be fair. Well, I've I, only I seen did one. the Half Blood Prince part two. I think I did that. Yeah, so like you've you've like literally went out of your way at midnight to wait for a film to watch someone, not just him, I know, but he's the main character. And then now you're literally working alongside him. What's that like? That's insane. That's when actually unbelievable. Yeah. That. It was he made it very nice because we were I was in the hair and makeup truck getting because I, I had a big wig and I was fake tanned up and all this kind of stuff. So I was getting that done. And then he got on at the other end of the hair and makeup truck. And it can be quite a difficult environment to socialize in because everyone's facing the same way and everyone's mm. kind of doing their own thing. So he made an effort to like come down and say hello and introduce himself and just be like, welcome. If you've got any problems, like let me know and all that kind of stuff. So he was so charming and mm. kind that it made it very easy and to be fair as well i was i, I was kind of just like dissociating the whole time yeah. i was like <laughs> you couldn't i couldn't relate in my head the guy that was like expelliarmus was the guy that was stood there. <laughs> yeah i just you know had a surreal getting his makeup done it's just you know does I'm just picturing you there, like don't say Harry, don't say Harry. But <laughs> oh, that was that was a big thing, actually. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it kind of leads me into a question of is that a, like he is Harry Potter? He's yeah, Harry yeah. Potter more than he's Daniel Radcliffe, and is is that a thing that affects him? Like, does he does he almost struggle to? Because I'm not gonna lie, when I looked in the IMDb thing two minutes ago and I said it's Daniel Radcliffe, my head was probably about to say Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Is that a thing that affects him? He's like, well, I can't be anyone but Harry Potter now. He's always going to be that. Is that a thing? You know what? I don't know. I, I, I assume so, yeah, because everywhere he goes on the street, people will scream Harry Potter at him or yeah. know him for that and want to ask him questions about that. So I imagine there is a bit of like, can you treat me like a person? Yeah. Not yeah. A, 
but I mean, it's also you understand it from like a fan's I mean, point of view. He, he can't complain, I suppose. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's because of the amount of fame he's got from something like that. Well, but he's, he's been in a lot of things, though. He's only 34. Yeah, well, he, I mean, he started at 12. He literally did, he? did a, a Harry Potter, and he was the exact age. That's insane. He rose to it. So I've of... never... Go on, he done... He's done a lot of parts which uh, are a bit wacky and a bit kind of out there. So yeah. I imagine there's part of that that's like trying to make a, an impact outside of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. I I've remember him from a... There was a film that he did. Oh, it was a huge film. That's terrible. It was like a car. Oh, Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> uh, oh, was it like a card trick one. It had Morgan Freeman in it. Uh, Daniel oh, Radcliffe. Now you see. No, now you see me. Now you don't. Yeah, now you see me. Now you see Yeah, yeah. He's he? the bad guy in it. I would never. So he was. I would never have, never have said that. Had you not said that? Um, yeah. Yeah, I remember him quite well from that. And that was like the first thing that I seen him. Like, that's the first thing I watched with Daniel Radcliffe. And it wasn't Harry Potter. I was like, oh, that's weird. It's just, <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I actually might like, like some people would struggle to watch things when it's because he's done eight, like he's literally done eight films of the same character. So it's yeah, like doing sure. a big TV series as well, I suppose. And not just people like, I haven't seen it. them, but you know, not just eight. I've not seen Harry Potter. I went to Goblet of Fire. I actually think but you've not watched the other might have been even after with you, Chris. Not with you, but I think a group was at school when I fell asleep at the start. I never watched it. I don't went get to you at times. Yeah, no, you don't get me often. Um, not seen Harry Potter. My point is, I've not seen it, but it's not You're like so it's just for something. Apparently, the master's degree doesn't cut it. I haven't seen Harry Potter. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> You're socially uneducated. <laughs> That's, so <laughs> That's such a cutting thing to say. <laughs> I thought that. Um, yeah, it's like wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. <laughs> it's like livelihood, for some folk, though, isn't it? Is it eight films? Yeah, eight films. Yeah, I'm they went on a real money-making spin and decided to split this seventh one into two. Yeah, yeah they went one, two, three, four, five, six, and oh, it was the seven, seven part was one, twice. Part two. I thought yeah. it was a sixth, but yeah. Was so, he in the like spin-off ones? No, no, that was set in the past so yeah that's right yeah like i i I never got on board with them ones that the fantastic beasts and where to find them oh is that harry potter based yeah yeah can i see if i can name them go for it i think i'll manage i I couldn't i can't i can't tell you if you're right the the philosopher's stone but i believe in america it's called the sorcerer's stone yeah um is it chamber secrets next and then prisoner of azkaban Goblet of Fire's four, because that's yeah. the one I saw. Order of the Phoenix. Oh, what's six? Is is it Half-Blood Prince split in two? Yeah. No, it's no, got no. Death. It's got Blood death Blood Is six. Half-Blood Prince is six. Yeah. So it's another film that's split in two. Yeah. Is yeah. it Death, Deathly? Uh... Yeah, you've literally said it. You've literally Hallows. Said it. Hallows. Yes, Deathly yeah. Hallows. Okay, put it that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's quite good. Good effort. I was like when I named the good rugby players. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you just named three people with like a million followers or whatever. But... Yeah, pretty much. She's on Instagram. Give you credit for one. Yeah, that's Katie. That's Katie. Pretty sure I said his name the day before. Shut up. Um, the 
you're obviously you're, you're very much spending time at the minute on TV, Chris. Is there a is there a goal to try film? Do you know what? It's really interesting you ask that because um, I started a production company three months ago, four months ago. Well, um, which basically started as like a way of because I want to write and I want to direct and produce and kind of expand my what I'm doing basically. So I literally was sitting in a hotel in Wales and I made an Instagram account for production company and just like put it up and I was like oh plug it what's it called what's it called it's called wrong room productions wrong room okay so I sorry keep I made that and then all of a sudden people started messaging me sending me scripts and being like oh so you've got a new production company how would you feel about doing this would you feel about uh (laughs) making this so it kind of just went from there, really. So we're um, we're producing a short film at the moment called Anne Sons, which is uh, set in a funeral parlor. It's about a dad planning for his own funeral with the help of his two kind of begrudging sons. Um, right. It's like a, it's sort of like a gothic comedy, really. Um, but, you know, it's also about bereavement and dealing with you know the difficult emotions around death and how communication can be very difficult so we're we're putting a kickstarter campaign to try and fund it up online like in the next couple of days so i imagine by the time that this has come out then it will be up there so if any of your listeners feel like uh helping us fund it then we'd be really grateful even if you just check out the page that'd be cool um Yeah. yeah i should say that as well is is that is, this is interesting to me because you, like there's in my head right in the <laughs> production directing acting sphere you've got actors you've got producers you've got writers I guess producers and writers are kind of together is is it normal for people to do both? It yeah a lot a lot yeah. of people do move from acting into directing and producing and writing partly because it's gives you more ownership over what you're doing and um also from like a business point of view when you're acting you're relying on people to give you parts whereas if you've got a production company or like a you're directing and writing it's just other sources of income and creatively instead of getting an audition and it's like do I want to do this part in this film that someone else wrote or do I want to do what I find creatively exciting? Uh, that's a real plus to it. That's really cool. That's really yeah. cool that you started that for your effort. Yeah, thank you. I, I mean, I'd love to chat with you probably at some other time, but like about, because you've obviously created a, a brand and a, um, a, a platform out of, from scratch really. So that'd be cool. It's- it's a kind of happy to have that chat. It's a kind of tricky comparison because a few folk have asked me this, you know, you've created a brand from whatever, but I created a brand from something that I was doing anyway. I didn't care if it made money. Mm. So it wasn't it wasn't a thing to make money. It was a thing that mm. I enjoyed doing for a year and then... It monetized it itself, yeah, really, doesn't it? It's kind of a different setup if you're starting trying to make money. Um, well, I'm, I'm not starting to make money, which is... Right. 
Yeah. So it's, it's we're not going to make money for a while. Yeah. So in a way, I suppose it's similar. But yeah, that's interesting. So you got you got it going, and then it, the money came later. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, like <clears throat> I I don't have a massive social media. I mean, Chris, you've got what sixty odd thousand followers on Instagram. Yeah. I think what ninety odd is it? Sorry, a yeah, it's 86.7, I think. That's very specific. Someone that reads their Instagram. <laughs> uh, he's, he's actually got a counter behind the camera. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> going down right now. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, my total following across everything is just hitting 10. Like, I, I don't, I haven't chased following. I've chased monetization once I realized it was possible. So, like, it, it only started as... A thing I love doing. I love talking to people. I love sharing stories of folks' lives, and then I started doing more of it, and then the views built up. So, like that's that was basically I got to the stage before I was making money that my business plan was this has to be a product that I do because I enjoy, and then luckily makes money. I didn't want to chase a business. Um, I'm not saying that won't happen in the future, but at the minute that was that was the plan, um, which was quite rewarding actually because yeah. You could take something that, like on the evenings, I would just phone someone, have a chat, and then suddenly that was a thing, you know. Yeah. So it was, it was quite quite nice that it worked that way. So, yeah, no, happy to have a chat. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a good person to take advice from, but um, yeah, it'd be quite cool. So, you've, <laughs> as a youngster, all your stuff was on stage. You've uh, you've sort of moved on to TV. You've looked at production. You started a production company. Film's probably something you've considered. Do you ever see yourself trying stage again? So I did. I play la uh, like tw- what are we in twenty twenty three? Beginning of twenty twenty two. Um, at the Sheffield Crucible, which was cool. It's a really cool. nice theater, and it's yeah, it's obviously where they have the snooker and stuff. So I was like buzzing to be there. Um, <laughs> part of me forgot how hard theater is like how much energy it takes so like the whole time i was doing tv i was like oh, i'd love to get back in the theater like tread the boards again this kind of thing and then i was doing it i was like this is such hard work um, <laughs> yeah it was also a, a tough experience because oh god why was it a tough experience um there was just certain stuff within the like work environment that was like tricky to deal with like just interpersonal stuff that was made it hard work and we didn't really it was a very ambitious production and we didn't have a lot of time to rehearse it so we're kind of figuring things out as we were going um so that was that was hard It, it was it was quite a hard experience i found it quite tricky um being away from home as well just new city by yourself that kind of thing but i mean it's not to say i wouldn't do it again i'd love to be in a in a show again a theater show um because like you say that's what i started doing so and a probably a caveat not any listener is expecting but if you want to hear an episode of the r2 cast with someone who's competed snooker at the crucible go to 147 with hillary reed which was intentionally put as number 147 it's not just per chance um, oh yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that flew. Over. Oh. It was. I think it's flown over everyone's head. I was so yeah. proud of it, but no one got it. It was. It, he planned it for like fifty episodes. It's <laughs> like that one four seven. That's going to be a snooker player, <laughs> and then nobody's gave him any credit for it. 
we're gonna have to get darts in 20 episodes like one yeah, of them is gonna be darts and yeah. it's actually a really funny episode it's it's a lady uh, i think said she was in her 70s and she broke into snooker, snooker scene when it was very much male dominated um, and, and then i got the impression she just hadn't just told the story in a while yeah. we got no words in she just told her story and what a story it was yeah it was so good like um, it was like an hour and a half questions <laughs> yeah i think i think you asked one question i, I asked yeah. one yeah you maybe squeezed in two <laughs> yeah maybe maybe um yeah it was good but uh oh, that's pretty cool crispo that's yeah. cool yeah how many how many nights did you do was that a, a few or it's about three weeks which oh, wow. is wow yeah it's not long for a theater show like they can be like months and months and months so three weeks pretty short uh but very demanding show. So by the end, I was like, <laughs> counting yeah. down the shows till the end. But um, it also doesn't, because obviously they kit it out for snooker. So when you're in there, it doesn't feel like the same place at all. And you're like, I can't believe that this is where they, where all those like famous moments that you'd watch on TV have happened. It's kind of odd in that way. Yeah. So we, um, so me and Wallace do Young Farmers, just kind of how we met and, it was one of the things that probably got Wallace into Young Farmers the most is we do a Young Farmers Variety concert and it's an absolute drop in the ocean. It's like, it's two nights at the Theatre Royal in Dumfries. There's about 200 people for two nights. and uh, But we just do it with Young Farmers. It's people aged between 14 and 30. There's about 30 to 40 of us do it. And uh, it's just a variety show and there's different sketches, a few songs, a few dances um and wallace did it what was it first year or set, last year uh-huh yeah, yeah first year was last year and uh he just he was like a duck to water <laughs> and uh he just he just couldn't get him off stage and it's class yeah but he was a guy that's always been in agriculture but never been in young farmers and he just was like nah it's just not my not my scene and he came down here and uh he spoke to me when i was vice chair of the young farmers and um, he was like, oh, come along and try it. And he tried concert. And then he's now a national vice chair of uh, a committee on young farmers. So he's just went from zero to 100. It's yeah. all stemmed from concert. Yeah, so. it does. You get it a real was, Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and you know, it's I, awesome. I've done like five now. It's yeah. Class. I love it. I, yeah. I don't think I'm very funny at speaking. I think I'm like a physical actor, mm. like just doing dust. Like, what, well, like dislocating scene, your shoulder? And yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say that. Like, I, I genuinely did dislocate my shoulder on stage. And like, so there was this scene, it's from a TV show. And I mm. think you've been in the TV show. No, because Doctors is a soap. I can't imagine they've got comedy in it. But um, there's a, a comedy scene where basically someone goes into the doctor's surgery. They sit in the, the waiting room and they're fine. Like, they're just yeah. there to see whatever. And then Ed comes, he sits next to me and he's sneezing and I start sneezing and then the next person comes in and the arm's thrown up and I pick up everything, right? And like I proper went into it, throw my face on the ground, it's fine. Did it really good in concert and then with this other sort of secondary thing called Talent Spot that's very similar but shorter. I was doing it again, didn't even matter, like we'd already won at this point and it (laughs) just did this front of curtain where we did this scene and I've, I've like fallen because like a faint is one of the things I'm doing. Fall, like hit my shoulder. I've got it in video and it like pops out of place, right? And I knew it was sore, but I was like, let's just start it. It can't be soft. So I have to do this twice. With a yeah. And I have to fall on it three more times. And uh, yeah, it was gnarly, but it was really good fun. But the story I yeah. thought you were going to say was like, 
I'm not the most competitive person on the planet. There's some things that make me a bit competitive, mm. but in general, I'm really not. Like compared to you, no. nothing. Like I just no. don't have it. And then <laughs> I just love winning, and he yeah. just is like, oh yeah, it's fun to be there. Drink your legs. Um, <laughs> but this first night, I don't know what I came yeah. on. I was on the stage, came up to like the change room back because you're like seven different parts, maybe more. And I'm like, what was it? I said, I just like shook you, and I was yeah. like, oh, I, oh I said something. I was like, I was just I died in this away. club or something. That's it. <laughs> Fucking club, like I was just so yeah. tired. I've been here like two days. <laughs> That's so good. Come on, man, get your head in the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. I was just chilling upstairs. He just grabs me and screams at me. I'm like, I've done this like five years in a row, and I've never been like this. <laughs> like a day. Half the club doesn't know my name yet, and I'm just, you know, hey. Yeah, good fun. It was good it's fun. class, though, yeah. I just love how much it just um, made Wallace get a bite for, like, everything to do with young farmers. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it gets... It's it's an unbelievable thing, concert. Like, it's something I never thought I would do. Like, I did a wee bit of drama and I enjoyed it at school, but you get people that do it just because their friends are doing it and they want to do it for the social. Like, just... It means you'll see each other on every Wednesday and Sunday night we practice. We're so going, just, to, going there after, after this. Yeah. So, like, you'll... So a lot of the young ones, they just do it to be like, oh, that's where they go and see their mates. And then before you know it, you've probably lost half of them in the second year, but see the half you've kept. They're the ones this year. And they're like going up like, yeah, can I have a speaking part? And yeah, can I have a solo? And it's, oh, is, it's it, meant- is it all uh, performance stuff? This, so this is, I mean, like, what is oh, yeah. it? It's polished. Like, no. And, and I think it's important to say that there's a lot I'd live just... And, yeah. yeah, in Young Farmers, there's there's like one, there's two regions in Ayrshire and Lanark that take things really seriously and they proper, proper train for things. But I just see Young Farmers and the thing I love about down here, because I tried to join Ayrshire, but it was too serious. The thing I love about down here is they have a bit of crack. So like if you go on and you just ad lib a bit and you have a bit of a laugh, that's fine. Like it's not it's not what you were doing. You know, it's, it's not that sort of thing, but um, mm-hmm. it's a great way to get yeah. the youngsters doing stuff. Like. It's just about going out there and just having a laugh you're doing it all for charity like all all the money that like people are paying for the tickets it's all going in there like charity so it's it's all just for a bit of a laugh really but it's amazing how like it brings so many young people out of their shells i'm like, 15 16 year old it's unbelievable that sounds that like a really nice community thing to be doing because yeah. i was thinking about this the other day like in london you can it you, you can become anonymous very quickly. Yeah. You, mm. You're you're a one man band in a city of ten million people, so it can be very easy to just like lose touch with those kinds of things. Whereas, whenever I do anything like that, I was like, "This is so good! Like, yeah. this is what I mean. <laughs> this is what life's about." But like that that interaction between people just kind of like really refills your. Um, refills your cup or something like that yeah it's yeah. it's quite interesting to say that because i mean in all walks of my life it's community-based whether i'm known as the lecturer at work obviously everyone knows me in that sort of world and young farmers now yeah. most people and i do a lot of speaking everywhere so people are talking to me when i went to london i felt like it didn't matter at all and it was quite i actually quite liked it <laughs> yeah i was able to step <laughs> away from i love speaking to people but sometimes you just want to switch off for a bit and when you're in London, that was the case. But I assume that it can be somewhat isolating when that's your life. You'll be seeing a lot of people on sets and stuff like that, I assume, Chris. But still, like it's it's um it could you, I can imagine that is the case. 
it's the difference between being like I've been d- down in Wales recently and in quite a small town in Wales and you see people on the street and they they've got such a unintrusive energy about them they're just kind of like yeah. smile oh hello oh the beach is nice isn't it yeah I well, love that and then wander on and that's really lovely and then when I got back to London it was like just the eat the sheer energy people have is mm-hmm. faster it's like don't talk to me um i've got stuff to do, to do yeah which is understandable because but do they do they have more to do than everyone else in random places maybe that's a wrong opinion but i just always think that i'm like is everyone here that important and that busy no i think you're right i think it's i think it's <laughs> filled with busyness people are busy being busy <laughs> they're going here they're doing that they're doing blah, blah, blah. You strip it down, they're probably not doing a whole lot. Yeah. It's um slightly moving on to a different thing, Chris. It's quite one thing that I've really enjoyed about having we've on this all in series, we've had so many different professions and professions in, which are slightly away from normality, which I think would be fair to say you're in. Is it is it a thing that you have to have other jobs to facilitate it for some time? I'm guessing now that's not the case, but for a few years, is there are you still working in cafes, still working in bars to get to that stage? Yeah, hundred percent. So I worked yeah. in a gym, I worked in a whole food shop. So I was refilling big tubs of lentils and cleaning the orange juice machine. Um, worked in worked in theaters quite a lot. So I'd like usher. So I watched ladies. Oh, yeah. 400 times <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, I, I so I worked in Les Mis a lot for like six months and saw it eight times a week seven times, oh. a, week, eight times a week and then I moved to the Book of Mormon and worked there and saw it a lot of times and the difference between the people coming out of Les Mis to the Book of Mormon I don't know if you have seen the Book of Mormon but it's like very very funny um so the people coming out of Les Mis would be like, have tears in their eyes and kind of grasp your arm and be, thank you, thank you for that experience. That's... Got miserable in the name, so like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The Book of Mormon, people would be coming out, like screaming with laughter and that was way more, that was a much better work environment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, definitely. Yeah. So is 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 um just for actually considering that, like you know, talking mental health and everything we speak about, but being on stage eight times a week, I'm guessing that's every night in a matinee on a Sunday, I'm assuming. Um that's draining, man. Like you said three weeks, but six months. Yeah, that's mental. Have you got different people playing the same characters, or is it just the same person the whole time? So I should say I wasn't in Lemmas. I was No, I get that, I get that, yeah. Oh right, okay, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. Um yeah, so I think you get this a lot more with musicals because vocally movement is much more demanding. So you've got loads of covers. So you've probably got about, I don't know, five covers that maybe more than that, 10, I've no idea that all play about four different roles. So if the lead uh, person playing Eponine is off sick, then there'll be a couple of people that might step into that. Um, so you do get you do get breaks, but it's, yeah, it's very demanding, very demanding. It's, it'd be hard to be one of those step in ones because like it's like one of those jobs where you're like, God, there's nothing to do. Where's the manual? Where's the script? You yeah. <laughs> I, I was chatting with an actor recently that I, she was doing a play, and sometimes they have set nights where the understudy will go on 
so you kind of know you build up to those nights but i don't think that was one of the cases she was literally just there in case the main person got sick and apparently she was just like chilling in her dressing room just like i don't know on her phone and doing something and she just heard all over the radio uh, please, can you get into your costume for blah, 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 the beginning of Act 3? And she was like, oh, my God, I've got to go on. I barely know the lines. I, I haven't rehearsed this in, like, weeks. I think she d- did it, and it was all right. But just that feeling of... That's dread. fresh. <clears throat> That's the fear. That is not the fear. Yeah. You should wait for that moment. Yeah. And she's, she want to do it so well. But, Yeah. How can you mentally, mentally prepare yourself for that? Like every night for it to probably not happen. I don't know. I guess so you, much I, easier being in character. So much easier. Yeah. That is difficult yeah. being an understudy. Yeah. yeah. Tough. You've also got that kind of ego thing of like, oh, I wish I was the main one. Yeah. You kind of want to be. I can the deal with that. <laughs> I can deal with that part. The, the fact that I know I might be thrown in. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's not known like happily not thrown in. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah, yeah. it might be randomly. That's that's scary. Here, Chris, it's been really cool, really cool to chat. Yeah, it's yeah. really different from what we've had on here. Isn't yeah, it? it's class. It yeah. is. It is actually. Um, and I think the thing that we've really started to realize, like everyone we've brought on, apart from Glenn, we know, like yeah. we've known them. Um, yeah, yeah, Hillary as well. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, we've came across these people. Like, obviously, you and I knew each other for years. Like, um, it's quite nice to chat again mm-hmm. for the first time in some time with Paris. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, you actually realise when you sit, if you sit down, right, and you're like, oh, who do I know in my life that would be cool for a podcast? You think of no one. Yeah, but like when, when you first said it, I was like, yeah. Know. You've brought what four people on so far? We've only done that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like, right. yeah, but you're in the car one day and you're like, oh, never trip. Wait a minute, wait, Chris. <laughs> That's, that was exactly what happened. And I was like, right, good ask Christy for the number. Um, so yeah, no, thank you. It shows you like the amount of people that have interesting stories to, I'm not saying I've got an interesting story, but like there's you people out there that have like mm-hmm. got stuff to talk about. Chris, like, I'm actually going to cut you both off. Don't, yeah. you've Heimlich maneuvered Ra- uh, Daniel Radcliffe and you're going to try and say yeah. that, you, that you're not interested. That's yeah. true. That, that was a highlight. That was a highlight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. But I think uh, I think one of the main things, like, we'll also find with podcasting in that, like, everybody, like, you could get a good story out of everybody. You've just got to ask the right questions and go the right yeah. way. Some people, it's a lot easier that have yeah, done obviously yeah. that have met Daniel Radcliffe. But um, <laughs> like, you can you can get a cool story out of everybody. It's in there somewhere, and that's I think that's the coolest thing about what we're doing here. Is that yeah. I think I think we could bring anybody on and it'd be interesting to somebody. I think yeah. it'd be hard to be pretty boring. Yeah. Yeah. So many, but I mean, yeah. you're, you're very much above that, but there's one thing that we do. And I actually quite like that We've started not telling anyone until the last second. So do I. I like um, that. Yeah. You've got a surprise coming. your Not a physical thing as a question. And that question is not from us. So with, do you, do you listen to podcasts by any chance? I do. Yeah. You listen yeah. to Stephen Bartlett's Diary of a CEO. I love that one. And now you've said that, I know what's going to happen. Perfect. So Stephen, if you're listening, I know you're not. Um, <laughs> you are. Do you need a co-host? Uh, um, but uh, yeah, what we've done is the exact same thing. Stephen, also, if you're listening, I've never listened to your podcast. Um, but yeah, as you know, questions <laughs> taken from the person before. 
Um, and that question was from an Olympian, Chris. So that's quite cool. That's very cool. I don't know how often I've spoken to an Olympian before. But uh, Rose asked, and it's actually a really good question, and it's so Rose, because I don't think yeah. she knows. Her answer is just, it's all I know. Yeah. Is why do you do what you do? That is a belter. Yeah. That is a belter of a question. Wow. It's deep, man. It's deep. Yeah. <laughs> well, you think about that. Wallace, why do you do what you do? Oh, why do I do it? It's just unfair. He gets time to think and I don't. Um, <laughs> Because you've been standing staring at the question. So, that's, a, that's a good point. I'll take that on board. Um, I do a few things, I guess, but the more I do okay, whatever I do and the more I get opportunities to do a lot of stuff, the reasons I do every single thing I do is because I love doing them. Yeah. Like There's so many things I've been given the opportunity to do. And six years ago, I'd be like, oh my God, yes, got to do that. Now I'm like, nah, I'm not doing something I don't want to enjoy. Yeah. I love seeing a student come in and build up to who they are. I love speaking to someone like Chris or someone like Regis Umagiraneza or whoever I've spoken to. And yeah, that's why. What about you? I love um, cows is going to be his answer. Yeah, <laughs> I, feel, I feel I can't all just say, oh, because I love what I do. Like, because, I mean, it's you wouldn't do, um, yeah. you wouldn't do it. I think I, I find it really fulfilling what I do. So I'm a dairy farmer, I milk cows. I find it really fulfilling that I can go outside and I'm milking in the morning. It's five o'clock in the morning, but I know I'm doing my part to feed the nation as well. I find that really cool. And I know before I fed myself, I've looked after my cows. I know they're all good. And uh, I just find that really fulfilling. Yeah. I find that really cool. Good one. That's cool. I think I would say that in general, I'm quite a, I'd say I'm quite a shy person and I'm actually quite, um, I get embarrassed quite easily at like certain stuff. So being a performer sounds like the complete wrong thing to be doing, but in a way it's like an antidote to that. It's like, I'm testing myself. And if I can, if I can go and go on stage and do this, or I can film this TV show, then I'll have proved to myself that I've kind of overcome that. So that's definitely a big part of it for me. That's and, a class reason. That's awesome. And setting up the, production company is I guess to like as an antidote to another side of my nature is like in general I kind of wait for things to come to me I'm not very detail orientated all this kind of stuff so setting up a company and having to organize it and do it is like I'm testing myself to see if I can do that as well that's cool that is yeah. the company thing's really yeah. cool that's quite exciting yeah like you're really like you're pushing yourself to limits where you might not feel comfortable because I think there's so many people that just their whole lives, they just do things that they're comfortable with and they don't go that next step just because it might feel a little bit uncomfortable. But if you really want to progress, you've got to, you've got to kind of put yourself into that place, I suppose, don't you? Yeah. And I guess prove to yourself that you're not as shy or you're not as lazy or you're not as like, as you think you are, suddenly you do it and you're like, oh, well, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was the things that I thought I was. Totally. Yeah. So that leads us on to one more question before we end. What's your question for our next guest? And right. I'll, I don't want you to base the question on this person, but it's the one who cycled through South America. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, Oh, maybe that does change what I was going to No, no, no. Tell us what you're going to say. And then if you want another one, I'll put it in yeah. as well. Okay. So I was going to ask if you had, un if 
time and resources weren't an issue, what would you create? Oh my god, that's deep. What would you create? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay, so what's uh what were you starting to think when you heard who it was? Oh I've got it's like so much, like yeah, <laughs> built the bike. <laughs> what she was did. it? She did. She did. Wow. Yeah, she she built it herself, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, well, like big. what Oh no! You guys, you guys will come up with like great questions. <laughs> I'll listen to the episode and I can hear what, what. But like, that's my question: Re- resources, time. What would you create? Yeah. Here's a question: What should create a bike? Next question. If um, there's a film that's based on this theory, and I didn't realize that, I'd sort of come up with this idea, uh, and then someone told me there's a film about it. I was like, oh, "That's really cool. I've got to watch it." Apparently, the film was rubbish, but if Time literally was a currency. Mm. I don't think I'd be alive in two weeks' time. Right? Now, the reason I say that is, <laughs> you know what I'm like with money, <laughs> first off. <laughs> like you could earn time, so you could literally live, a billionaire lives forever, yeah, because they've just earned so much time. They have so much time. But I go to the shop and I buy a roll off you. I give you an hour. Right, okay. Yeah. How do you oh. think that world goes? You just not have to buy stuff. You'd have to <laughs> self-sufficient. No, but your your time would still say, go down. Like, I'm a You're... farmer. I I produce milk and beef. Like I think I've got quite a lot of time on my hands now. So you would just sell beef for time. Well, yeah, that right. Yeah, that's what you're saying, isn't it? But yeah. then once you get rid of your Sitting on a pretty big farm here. Let's say twenty-five million pounds worth. Of... No, I'm joking. Shut up. Let's say you sell insert amount. Doesn't matter. The equivalent of a million pounds in hours, whatever that is. That's what you've got. Do you then go and start doing a job? Do you wash dishes for more hours? Yeah, no. I keep doing exactly what I'm doing because I've still got the farm. I I'm so still making. I'd like. I'd like bet four I... years. Nah. Because... <laughs> I could sell off everything and I'd have a decent bit of time, but I'd know exactly how much time I had and then I'd have to do a job I hate. Whereas I could, I'd still have to do quite a few hours now, but I would be able to... But you could like, live forever on that basis. I, I can time. live forever on what I'm doing right now. Easy. I could live forever. Because well, everyone sustained. everyone basically needs a business. That means they can live forever then. Yes. Yeah. That is needed to live. Yeah. It's a really cool concept. I, I, yeah, want, I, I, like I really that. need to watch the film. I'm just told like rubbish. But no, Chris, thank you very much for your time. And we said earlier, we're like, this will take about an hour. I think we've been on the phone for just shy of two hours. We've only filmed for about an hour and a half, but it absolutely really? flies by, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've loved it. I've really enjoyed chatting with you, uh, with you guys. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And uh, I'm actually, I'm down in London at the end of, end of December. So if you are free, you might try and say hello. Uh, funnily enough, at a theatre play. Yeah. Are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be good to see. It. <laughs> Not for me. Uh, Yasmin said she liked it, and I was like, oh, I'll book it. It's a number. Six. 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 Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. No, I've got a few, we've got a few nice. days down there, so I might hit you up. But it's been, it's been good to see you again. Um, yeah. Yeah, thank you very much good. for coming on. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah, cheers. And as we said, everyone, the next episode, number 160, is with Liz Haynes. Liz will be talking about neurodiversity in agriculture over the next few weeks. Um, 
you've got quite a few episodes coming up, as there always is, to a week. Uh, also, the ones I've mentioned with the all-in side of things, uh, we also have Andrew Simpson, who's a friend of mine from uni. It uh, goes by Oak, six foot six. Um, and basically, his dad has a seed company, and um, he thought, oh, I'm going to go to the States. And he basically, you know, like I said, harvested from Texas to Canada. It's essentially what happened. Um, that's essentially what the company does, Hoffman Harvesting Corporate. Uh, and then he had a pretty pretty rough time where he fainted at the wheel and uh, he had to stop, lost his license in the States. So he came back, studied, and that's where we met each other and he just travels the world uh, and is an agronomist. So that should be a good episode there and all the rest of the Nuffield cohort as well. So thank you very much for listening. That's been Chris Jenks of Sex Education and various other TV shows. We shall see you for episode number 160. See you then.